0: Welcome disciple makers and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies 6 main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long, for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bulsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast.
1: Welcome, friends, and today we've got a treat for the first time, a combined broadcast with Chris Trent, next-gen catalyst at Georgia Baptist Mission Board. It would be a broadcast that's gonna go out on all of our Georgia Babs discipleship platform with Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, podcast platforms. But Chris also has multiple things that he is doing that it'll be broadcast as well. And as always, if you leave a comment, you'll get entered into a drawing for free product and who doesn't like free stuff. But if you share today's broadcast, you'll get double entry. And Chris just may invite you to come on stage to do the gritty at the national championship game just before Georgia beats Bama for the title for the second year in uh, a row. Chris Trent, what's going on? That's real funny. Why do you want to introduce me like that for? Call me out like that. I mean, I'm just trying
2: to, I'm a truth teller. Listen, man, I, I know, I know, I know Georgia's not used to winning as much. And uh, so it's been a little hard, but well,
1: uh, <laughs> and actually, if we want to be honest, I'm from Louisiana, and it's worse. Well, so well, I'm I'm not from Alabama, but
2: <laughs> in order to marry my wife, I had to become a, a Crimson Tide fan. That's that's gotcha. Uh, Partially uh, gotcha. Well, tell
1: us about the legend that we've got guest speaking, sharing on with us that seems to be on every Uh, single Facebook page when I pull up my phone. Yeah, every single day. Point
2: that out too. Um, and I'm super excited today. Um, you know, you and I have been talking for a while, Scott, about uh calling out the call. That's a conversation we're having in our Georgia Baptist uh mission board offices. Uh lots of states are having this conversation, not only that, lots of national folks. Well, Shane Pruitt, um, who works for the North American mission board, uh, does next gym ministry there. Uh, he and I, he and I've had conversations over the years. He's had conversations with other leaders, but I think what's really super helpful is he's about to have a book that's coming out. That's addressing this issue. And, and I was already planning to connect with him on the book and I reached out to you, Scott. I was like, man, I think this would be a great crossover episode if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so that we could just both, have this conversation think along the lines of hey what can youth ministries what can youth pastors be doing youth leaders be doing but also what can leaders in uh, like discipleship ministry world uh, pastors uh, education pastors, all these different things how can we be helping make a huge difference here so friends i want to introduce you to my friend
3: uh shane pruitt shane how's it going man hey good morning guys how's it going awesome. yeah, it's great to be on truly honored by that i'll tell you i am envious Be, you know, hearing about Georgia, Alabama, because at least you have two winning programs there. You know, I grew up in Waco, Texas, uh, but I went to Dallas Baptist University, who doesn't have a football team, but they always have a good baseball team. So for football, I claim Baylor. So there's a lot of envy going. I mean, at least you guys are winning, you know.
2: Well, here in the South, man, um, college football is all it's all about college football. There's just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, for real. Yeah. Well, Shane, uh, tell everybody. Uh, so you work for the North American Mission Board. You're, is your official title Director of Next Gen Ministries there? What's the official title?
3: Yes, yeah, it's, it's National Next Gen Director. So I get so to, much better than what I just said. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, a National Next Gen Director, which just means I get to help lead our our ministries towards young adults, college students, uh, teenagers, and uh, we have people on our team that focus on different areas of that. I get to be a part of leading that movement. So man, I love what I get to do. And uh, we love young adults and college students and teenagers. But really, our our target group are next gen leaders who are influencing the next Mm -hmm. generation. So we always are trying to Think of ways to encourage, equip, mobilize next-gen leaders to be more effective of uh, reaching and mobilizing, really, Gen Z right now with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
2: Okay, you're doing a great job with that. Uh, before we jump into the book, because we do want to talk about the book that's coming out uh, that both you and Scott Pace wrote. Um, and uh, But before we do, h- how about just giving us something fun about Shane Pruitt? What, what's something, because you are out there, man, God's blessing you with favor, and uh, you, you are out there. A lot a lot of people are seeing your social uh, all that aside, what's something that would just be super fun about Shane that like not too many people know about?
3: Well, yeah, something fun, um, well, it was maybe fun not, maybe uh, not fun. maybe it's like a boring hobby that you have. I don't know, yeah, well, you know, it <laughs> you know, it's fun, but it's also a prayer request. uh, it was really fun. the first three games of the NFL season hasn't been as fun the last two weeks, but uh I am a a crazy fanatic. Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah, have been since I was really little. Love the Fins, Fins up in the first three games of the season where we took out the Patriots, then the Ravens, then the Bills. Ranked number one in the NFL. That's never happened in my lifetime. Um, but then uh, to get excited out. about it two games in a row at the time of this recording and so we got blasted by the jets last week so that wasn't fun at all so now it's more of a prayer request so it went from being fun (laughs) to now it's a prayer request yeah
1: (laughs) oh there we go oh Oh, Oh, (laughs) there's some high tech (laughs) graphics there yeah so not only am i envious that i'm with two good-looking guys with hair now I got to go over here with sound effects.
2: That's it, baby. Yeah, that's right. I got some more saved for you later. Yeah. Well, that's Shane, true. let's
1: jump into this thing, man. Uh, Scott, you want to, let's see. I think you're you're jumping into this. Yeah. Yeah. So you, when I was reading through the book, uh, the the pre-work there, it looked like you had it divided into three big sections, uh, some big nugget ideas, foundational ideas, and- for us to understand that there's a huge gap between the need for ministers in the church and the available ministers to draw on. And I call it the paralyzed church. There's mm. 7 million plus that's been baptized. And so the Baptist life in the last 20 years was zero increase in attendance. Like we're not going anywhere and we're, we're moving backwards. And guys, when I think about the last 20 years, you look at 911 attack, great recession, protests, racial equality, gay marriage, gun control, police brutality, women's rights, suffocating student debt. I mean, all of these things are happening normalization of addictions, vaping, marijuana, pornography, social media, opioids. And and then, like COVID hits, six and a half million people die, epic number of mental health issues, churches experiencing things that leaders are not prepared to deal with. So when I look at them, like, there's no wonder in Georgia, there are 500 churches that don't have a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's not to mention next gen leaders and on, on that are trickling down there. So here's my, my question, Shane, I'd love for us to jump into. So scripturally, when we talk about this, and we talk about a call to ministry, what does it mean to be called to ministry? And what's the difference between everyone's call to ministry and a specific call to serve as a ministry profession?
3: Yeah, I love this question. Scott, and, and I think just understanding this biblically helps us understand how to navigate that scripturally um, with those that we're leading and uh, we're called to equip and and disciple is, you know, really in scripture, you see three major callings. You see a a calling unto the Lord for salvation. We know that right through repentance and faith. Uh, We are (laughs) thanking God for the gospel, even in our life, you know, the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. So there's this calling unto the Lord, to know him, to be born again, to be saved, to be bought by the blood of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit of God. So once you become a follower of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit of God, you also see two types of callings within that. So you got a calling unto the Lord for salvation. That's one calling. And then there's a, what we would call a universal calling on all believers. Now I want to say not universalism, that's heresy, but a universal call on all believers uh, meaning this, that if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. You know, you even see that in Second Corinthians uh, 5, 17 and 18, you know, where it's like, um, you know, we are new creations of Christ. The old passed away. Behold, the new has come. And then verse 18, Paul immediately talks about how he gave us a ministry of reconciliation. So, if you look at that in context, Paul's not just writing that to the pastor or the elders or the leaders there in Corinth. He's saying that to the whole church. So, he's basically saying this if you are a new creation, God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. So, there's this universal calling on every believer to serve, to minister, to know Jesus, and to make Jesus known, to live on mission in your schools. In your jobs in your families um, in your neighborhoods and to the nations but then we also see a unique calling on some that's where you see a calling out of leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry um, you see that you know all through the old testament you see that with different leaders different You see that in the new testament so that would be a unique calling on some to ministry leadership to really practice uh, Ephesians 11 and, and 12, you know, if you look at Ephesians uh, 4, 11 and 12, so you got Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, uh, 11, you see a, a list of leaders given there, and then in verse 12, you say they're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, and so I always say this, you know, the saints aren't just a football team in New Orleans, uh, the saints aren't just uh, yeah, <laughs> and the saints aren't just people in old paintings with halos around their heads, right? if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are a saint of God. you know. And I think sometimes we feel as a leader, we may feel like we have more aints in our ministry than saints, but the Bible does call them uh, a saint of God. And so our job as leaders are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So a unique calling on some is a calling towards ministry leadership whose main job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So, And even in those verses, you see both the unique calling, those leaders, and you see a universal calling, the saints, uh, to the work of ministry. So what I'm saying is we need more leaders whom God has called that will equip the saints for the work of ministry. And So I, I feel like if you look over the last maybe 30 years of church history, um, I think about 30 years ago, I think we were probably a little better at the unique calling side of ministry, meaning, um, you know, we were calling out the called, but there was also this mindset in the church that if you were not a professional Christian, which, mm. meant you know, typically the, the staff and the pastor, then you couldn't do ministry. Um, and then the pendulum started shifting, And that's where we started the language of going, no, 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 every member, a missionary, uh, every member, a minister. And I think we got better at started teaching the universal side of the calling to ministry, but we've neglected the unique calling. So it's almost like the pendulum just shifted too far and we need to kind of correct it back to the middle to go. No, no, no. Hey, we see both callings, a universal calling on all believers, but a unique calling on some to be ministry leaders who equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah,
1: that's really good, Shane. And I've seen, I grew up in a church that celebrated the mm-hmm. preacher boys. They, like when you were called to ministry, the church threw a party, it was a big deal. There yeah. were, I mean, at this point in my lifetime, when I say the church I grew up in, that's where I went to middle school, high school, played some college ball, but then went back and served there 16 years as well. There have been dozens of leaders from mm-hmm. that little church at, when we were there, average 200 people. yeah. And there've been dozens right. called out of there. So there, yep. we'll talk about some culture to build in just a little bit. But I'm wondering, did we get away from talking about that in front of our students, in front of our people and calling me? Because you, you hit on something I really think is key. Just a moment. You, you said something about that it's not just you know the, the varsity team and the other. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we've talked about this universal call. Have we gotten away from the unique ministry vocational call?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and I love how you, you pointed out, Scott, because we're not saying like you said, I love that. We're not saying, hey, one is JV and one is varsity. Right. Yeah. We're just saying that, like, it's all equally important. It's just different roles that God has called us to and equipped us to to serve in the body of Christ. And so, yeah, I think, you know, I think there was a time we were much better at the unique calling of ministry, Um in the church. Like you said, Scott, you know, you were in a church and that was ever in front of you and, you know, in uh, a smaller church, but here's all these people who are now serving in ministry. That was the same story for me. You know, um, I got saved at 21 and uh, the church that I got saved in um, on a good Sunday uh, ran about 120, but there's now, you know, seven to eight of us out there in full-time ministry serving because brother Ivan Carr constantly, put it in front of the people. I remember Sunday mm-hmm. mornings, that would be a regular time of the invitation. We're going, hey, maybe some of you in here are called to ministry and you need to surrender to that call. So yeah, I think that it just shifted and overcorrected to going, oh no, now everybody's called to ministry. Everybody's a missionary. And what we did is we stopped, we stopped um, calling out the called uh, uniquely. And we got to get back to that. And, and I think we do it, Scott, we still do it. You, you think of in the next gen space, right? We still we'll have a special night at youth camp typically Mm -hmm. to call out the call to ministry leadership or missions uh, or at a collegiate event or some kind of conference, but you just start reflecting going, when's the last time you've heard a calling to ministry or missions in the local church in the Sunday morning, you know, we'll do an invitation of uh, Hey, come and, and be reconciled to Christ. Hey, come and be saved, come and follow Jesus. But when's the last time you've even heard an invitation given on a Wednesday night, uh, to maybe student ministry or midweek service to college students, or even a Sunday morning to everyone and adults. And Hey, maybe God's called you to ministry. I think we've just gotten away from it in the local church context.
2: Gosh, so that's really good because Scott, you know, Scott, you and I've talked about this. And one of the reasons I was excited about doing this sort of crossover, uh, interview here, uh, Shane is, and Shane, we've talked about this even like, man, this is, there's no doubt. There's a little bit of a stirring happening in youth ministry circles when it comes mm-hmm. to this calling out the called and we've seen that in Georgia, we've seen that in other States. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that is incredible, but um, I I've said it uh, this way. I, like it concerns me though, that this would become a youth ministry program kind of thing. You mm. know, if it only gets traction on the youth ministry side of things, long-term we're going to struggle. Um, and the idea that a pastor would get back to a place where um, he is, uh, talking about this from from the pulpit, talking about this in front of everyone, man, that would be a huge win for us.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and man, I, I love that you pointed that out, Chris, because I believe that about anything, right? Um, uh, if if the pastor catches the heart and the vision of something, the whole church will, you know what I mean? So it always starts with the shepherd. And so I think, go, how do you create this as a movement in The kingdom of God, and then you think of our tribe, how do you create this as a movement and a focus for the Southern Baptist Convention? Then it's got to be our, our 48,000 pastors going, Oh, we got to get back to this. Um, because honestly, you know, you guys are getting the same calls I am every week. I get probably three to five calls from yeah. churches looking for pastors, looking for youth pastors, looking for collegiate pastors, uh, looking for other staff members, um, you know, looking for. Um, you know, strong men to lead, looking for uh, strong women and effective women to lead in certain areas of ministry. Um, So if we were a baseball team, we would look and go, oh, we don't have much of a farm system. Um, And it's catching up to us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, uh, so we were blessed. I was blessed to hang out with you a few days ago. We were in San Antonio at at, uh, Texas Baptist Conclave. Shout out and Mm -hmm. uh, had a blast uh, over there. It was awesome. Had a great time. Uh, But you were able to give uh, what I'm calling your call to ministry talk, if you will, uh, you know, to that group of folks, So I was blessed to get a kind of a preview of this. One of the things you talked about so so we've we've jumped into this thing. And we talked about maybe where we started to um, fail, fail in in, in the area of like calling out the call as much as we should. Can you talk about the problem because the book goes into that a little bit the book Mm -hmm. talks about how. It addresses the fact that we, when you think about the ministry landscape uh, that that we're looking at, that we've got some problems we're facing when it comes to this. Um, and you've got some stats. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think
3: there are some stats we might could even mm-hmm. talk about that are just kind of recognizing
2: that. Are you able to address that a little bit?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, so Barna Research Group put out um, uh, some stats back in 2017. Uh, so I, I even say these up front. These are really dated. I think the problem's even way worse now than it was in 2017. Uh, The pandemic, uh, we know, created all kinds of issues uh, for leaders, um, whether it's mental health or emotional health, where it's just burnout. Uh, I mean, you even think during uh, 2020 and 2021, 2022, it's like, no matter what you did, it wasn't right in someone's eyes, right? You were either, you know, like um, even, you know, whether it was mask, you know, you were either uh, if you were saying, all right, we're going to mask up. Then people are like, Oh, well, you're not being, you're not stepping out in faith. You know, if you're like, all right, well, Hey, we're going to remove masks, People are like, Oh, you're not loving your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like pastors, no matter what they did, it wasn't right. You know um, when it came to even, you know, things with like reconciliation um, is like, either you're saying too much or you're not saying enough. Right. You know, so you look at that. And so sadly, We even know statistically more more leaders are leaving the ministry than entering the ministry. So that's a deficit. But even in 2017, what, what Kinnaman found was this, is that in 1992, just listen to this, and this is Protestant leaders. The median age of Protestant leaders was 44. If you jump to 2017, the median age of Protestant leaders is 54, the 75% of Protestant leaders in 1992 were under the age of 55, 75% were under the age of 55 in 2017, only 50% were under the age of 55. And to me, this is the most sobering, alarming stat of all is in 1992, one third of all Protestant leaders were under the age of 40 in 2017, less than 15% of all Protestant leaders we're under the age of 40. I would submit it's even worse than that now. So statistically speaking, we actually have more Protestant leaders that are over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. So to go back to that baseball analogy, it's like we, we look back and go, we don't have much of a farm system. Um, you know, guys, also, I, I, all across the country, I, I speak in chapels, you know, at our seminaries or uh, even Christian universities. And I think of just even this last month, uh, I I preached in chapel of two different Christian universities. One of them has over 5,000 students on campus, and only 52 of those students are in their school of ministry. Um, Another school has over 4,000 on campus, and only 41 of those 4,000 are in their school of ministry. Um, So we look back and go, We don't have much of a farm system, so we have to get back to calling out the call, put it in front of, um, I think, young people to go, maybe God's calling. Because here's what I believe. God hasn't stopped calling people. We've stopped asking as leaders for them to consider if God is calling them. Um, so, it's something that is really dire. We got to get back to it. And then I even think, you know, I get, the, like I mentioned while I go, I get the same phone calls y'all do, right? And so, here's typically what happens. Let's just take a youth pastor, for example, is usually um, just, you know, being, you know, transparent. We're all, you know, part of a family here. So, we can talk yeah. honestly here. Is I I'm usually get admit call- right
2: up front, I tell them to call you,
3: Shane. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so <laughs> usually I, I get a call. Let's just, let's <laughs> just be, candid about. Be, right? let's be candid about it. Usually I get a call from a pastor, right? And maybe it's from a large, church or mega church or multi-site church and it's always the same hey shane i need a rock star right (laughs) i need a stud yeah (laughs) and what they what they mean by that is they're looking for someone that is probably crushing it at a church a little smaller than theirs right so then you know we go recruit that guy uh and then he takes that role well now guess what now that church that just lost their youth pastor now they're looking and they're making the same phone calls and they're trying to find somebody at a church just a little smaller than theirs so now they go hire that person. Well, now that church is looking and then they hire someone and now that church is looking and mm-hmm. it just keeps going on and on and on and on. So really all we're doing is we're just shuffling shepherds around instead oh. of raising up new ones. But the point I'm saying is we got to get back to raising up some new ones. Yeah.
1: That's great. That's great. Now, now, Chris, we talking about the ministry landscape and some different obstacles. Um, what would you say, Shane, when we talk about those obstacles one of those can be the local church. So I mentioned the, the church I grew up in and, yeah. and some of those keys for me were I had a great youth pastor that loved me, mentored me, that was helping me. Cause I, I didn't surrender to a call to preach or to call to do student ministry. I didn't know what in the world that meant. I just surrendered to a call, right? And he's yeah. helping me to flesh that. So that was yeah, key. Right. The church celebrated that. So there was a culture in the church um, that, that it was okay. And they were like, preach your boy. But also I was taught to spend time in the word and in prayer. And one other part of that was they allowed me to grow up because mm-hmm. at 17 years old, man, my life did not reflect Christ. When I, when I surrendered to a call to ministry, there were some big hairy deals that I needed to get out of my life before I could ever be in, in so public. That's life. what
2: happened to your hair.
1: Okay. We it got is. It. <laughs> it is. They just, they said, cut your hair off and, and it'll be better. <laughs> yeah. that's So, right. Hey, so let me ask this to both of you guys, yeah. because I'm really interested in, so for, for pastors who are listening to this and say, okay, this is great, but what do I got to do to create a culture? Because there's a beautiful tension, isn't it? The, the tension mm-hmm. of, because I think a pastor's heart for this is transferable mm-hmm. to its church, to the people who are listening. But there's also the dynamic that we know this is a Holy Spirit-driven call. Yeah, like the pastor right. can't call them. It's a Holy that's Spirit-driven right. call. So there's a beautiful tension. But what are, what are what does the culture look like that you could help a pastor to create that in the church. I'd love to hear both of you guys who've served in great churches and have seen this happen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in, Shane, and, I, and of yeah. course I want to hear from you more than anything, um, but I, I, this is what just came to my mind, and I'm going to step on a toe or two here probably. I, I I think part of what we need to make sure we're doing is not treating this calling and treating our teenagers like an upward sports team where everybody gets a trophy, and here's what I mean. <laughs> I think Mm -hmm. there's a little. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I mean, though. I I think there's a little bit of a fear that youth pastors have and that pastors at churches have that if we do start recognizing some of those students that have that unique calling, uh, there's a fear that they're going to get phone calls from parents whose kids are not called Mm -hmm. and they're going to feel like there's some special treatment happening. Now, I do think we need to be careful about having special treatment. But and here's here's just the fact, though, because of the current culture that we live in, where everybody gets trophy at times, I think there is a chance that if you do something unique, let's say you get a group of kids in your youth ministry that feel called and the pastor starts meeting with that group of students once a month, mm-hmm. there probably will be some non-called students and maybe even some parents who get a little frustrated with that. But I think we got to get back to the point where we're willing to take a hit on that and help them to see that there's some intentionality behind what we're trying to do. So I, I recognize that as being a challenge because, um, but, well, because we actually lived it where I, where I just got finished uh, mm-hmm. serving. Uh, uh, that's something what we dealt
3: with from time to time, you
2: know, so I think that's, that's part of it. Shane, I don't know. What do you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's, there's several practical things, you know, that mentioned in the book and talks and, but uh, even in that same vein, Chris, what you're talking about is sometimes there's the flip side of it, uh, whose parent. Some parents out there don't want their students to be called a ministry. Well, that, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah, they're like, oh, no, no. I've been been there. Yeah, yes. I was playing been on him being a warrior. I was planning on him being a doctor. Now, what? You just you just helped him discover that God's calling him a ministry. Thanks a lot. You know, so sometimes, um, you know, I even think of um, the young guy who travels with me. He's one of our journeymen at NAM and uh, graduated from Texas A&M uh, with a business management degree. And then his next step was to go into to law. He was going into law, but God called him to ministry. Uh, and yeah, uh, he had to navigate that with his parents at first. Now they're very supportive. Not as supportive at first. So sometimes you even have to navigate the other side of parents going, I don't want, yeah, I don't want my student called the ministry, you know. And so, uh, and, and yeah. it
1: just happens to be the
2: uh the the lead deacon's son who who's made that decision, right? Yeah, that's right. The
3: yeah, that's right. hearing from that. Yeah. Hey,
1: well, let's be honest too, even from the minister perspective, we celebrate mm-hmm. ministry, we celebrate all that until our kid surrenders to a call to, to missions and wants to yeah, move that's right. to Egypt and doesn't come home for 10 years.
3: Yeah, perhaps. that's right. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, no that's doubt. Big. Yeah, so I'd say, you know, just five quick things that uh, we co- we cover in, in the book and in the talks and resources of like, hey, here's some very practical kind of next steps is first and foremost, I don't want to sound Sunday school, but it's what Jesus called us to do. Uh, and number one, that's pray, because yeah, God does the calling, you know, and even if you think of Matthew nine, right, we, it's the verses we all know, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then, you know, the next part, we would think, well, what do we typically do? What I did, right? Write a book, uh, created an initiative, uh, a strategy, a pipeline. But Jesus didn't say any of those things. He said, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so I think it, everything starts with prayer. My, my the first pastor who mentored me and discipled me said, we should never talk to people about God until we talk to God about people. So mm-hmm. pray. Uh, we believe this, the current laborers for the harvest are currently in the harvest and God's calling them out. And then we got to be a part of helping people realize um, those whom God's called, help them realize that and disciple them. So number one, pray. Number two, I and, mentioned and, and it Shane, earlier. Can we, can,
2: can we pick on that for just a second? Because yeah. just to be, to be real clear, folks, what we're talking about there, a real practical application would be for youth pastors, discipleship pastors, education pastors, for pastors, uh, it may be even encouraging some of our leadership to acknowledge out loud that we don't have a lot of kids that are feeling called and, and for that to, as a leader, start to say, God, will you please send students here? Or will you help us to just call out the call? Will you call some students out of that? And I think it's possible that some folks haven't had that as a prayer request at all to the Good Lord. That's great. When it comes to leadership. I love that. So the practical yeah. application is literally just to add that to your daily prayer request. You know, of just Amen. you know, yeah. Lord, uh, allow our church to be a church that has kids uh, that are feeling called to ministry. That could be a huge step. And 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 for some folks listening, you know, we talk about next steps a lot. That could be that first big next step that some folks need to take, right there. Absolutely, that's a
1: great yeah. point, Chris, because mm-hmm. that's that tension I was talking about. It's a Holy Spirit-driven yep. moment, but God uses people. He'll, he'll transfer the heart of a pastor, yeah. of a leader to, then he puts this together. And if, and if the heart does of the pastor or leader, youth pastor, isn't to call out the called, it's, it's not God's fault. There is a yeah. union of those two things. So good.
3: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and I love that Chris, you pointing that out is, is, I mean, one just, yeah, aspect in that prayer is like, you said, even as your staff, you know, when you're gathering as a staff meeting every week, I know nearly probably every staff at every church um they pray for the lost, right like god help us reach the loss help us reach our community help us make you known well also add to that god uh call out the called here help us recognize who that is help us equip them and make that just a part of your rhythm um also i would say even a, a step further even in that is i know a lot of churches sometimes they'll literally go around the table at each staff meeting and go, Hey, who's one spiritually lost person you're praying for? You know, who are you witnessing to? Who are, who are you planning to try to to get to come, you know, to, to church? Well, Hey, maybe another question amongst our leaders on our staff, I go, Hey, uh, who's someone that you're discipling that's been called to ministry and, and how are you multiplying yourself and duplicating yourself? Um, how are you almost working yourself out of a job? That's what we call it. You know, how are you working yourself out of a job by raising up others that can do what you do, and so, so yeah. Number one, pray. Number two, going back to what we said a while ago, extend invitations. Um, I think just evaluate. Hey, when's the last time we've even given an opportunity in our ministries for uh, people to surrender to the calling of God on their life? I think sometimes God's calling people, and they maybe even feel it, but there's not ever any on ramps in our churches to even surrender to that call and get into some kind of pipeline to be discipled as a ministry leader. So we got to get back to regular invitation. I'm not saying it's every Sunday or every Wednesday, but I think a rather a regular rhythm of um, inviting people to surrender to a call ministry leadership of their life. And the reason I say public invitation is I think sometimes we may recognize it in somebody and we may have that one-on-one conversation with them. And that's good. You know, ask them, Hey, have you considered God's calling you to minister? You feeling like God's calling you that? But I, the reason those public invitations are so important is because sometimes God may be calling someone that we don't know that, you know, or mm-hmm. maybe we don't see it at first, but we do when they surrender to it. And so I think we just got to give those regular invitations. Uh, Number three, and I think this is powerful, is there is power in stories and there is power in testimonies. So think about that. Even as pastors, as communicators, as preachers, uh, we're always in our message, maybe sharing our personal testimony of how we came to know the Lord. But when's the last time you shared your testimony of the calling of ministry on your life? Um, Because there is power in testimony. So I would say even regularly having in front of our people stories and testimonies of calling to ministry and calling to ministry leadership and calling to missions. Um, And even a powerful illustration of that is going back to baseball. You know, if you go back in 2014, the slider was one of the least thrown pitches in Major League Baseball, according to Pitch Count. But starting around 2014, some baseball announcers just started talking about the slider, and then other baseball announcers started talking about the slider, and then pitching coaches started talking about it, and then they started teaching it to young people. And now today, the slider is one of the most common pitches thrown, and Mm. people go, how did that happen? What looks like, if you go back in time, people just started talking about it. So I think sometimes just talking about it and putting a lot of focus on it will help people reveal maybe that God's calling them. Then number four is provide opportunities to serve, Um, because often calling reveals itself in serving opportunities. So I even challenge college ministries and youth ministries to go, hey, what do you currently have adult volunteers doing that maybe students can be doing? And you just change the focus of that adult volunteer. Usually that scares youth pastors and go, hey, I'm already desperate for adult volunteers. I don't want to lose them. And I'm like, no, no, just shift it. So maybe John, who's 40, who runs your soundboard, uh, maybe there's Sam, who's 15, who's interested into that, and let him start running the soundboard, and John starts discipling him as he is running the soundboard. You know what I mean? And so you just change the focus, go, hey, there's a common interest there, the soundboard. Hey, so you at 40, you disciple this 15-year-old to do what you do, but really your main goal is to pour into him and disciple him. And so I think just providing opportunities, Yeah.
2: Yeah, and 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 to camp out on that, just some clarification for our adults uh, in the room today. Um, uh, we need to be careful with this one a little bit from this standpoint. What we're not saying is every yucky job that needs to happen at your church <laughs> that somebody in staff being. Hey, I wonder if the teenagers could do that. Yeah, like, that's right. So that's that's right. not what we're saying. Yeah, not that you right. pastors get that call a bunch.
1: Oh yeah. my goodness! Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, but but we're looking for intentional serving opportunities. That's right. That will help increase. Now I'm not saying that that is not sometimes the cleaning up part of an event, right? Uh, but yep. but make that more than just the what's the the stuff that nobody we can't get anybody to do. Let's always go to the teenage well to get them mm-hmm. to do that. But look for opportunities. And I love the way you said it specifically, the soundboard operator discipling. There's intentionality. So it's not just, Hey, we're going to get a kid to run this thing. Good Mm -hmm. luck. Hey man, thanks for covering that area for us. But yeah, there's intentionality tied to that. Um, and that would require even again, talking about that out loud with folks. That's right. Um, Yeah. So, so, but, but what a great opportunity, um, including, you know, things like vacation Bible school, which is huge for a lot of churches in the summer. Again, I would be careful about just giving the, the 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 kid the teenagers like the jobs nobody really wants to do at vbs but rather have some intentionality some partnerships where they're allowed to not just maybe serve cookies but also maybe to teach part of the lesson um mm-hmm. you know, those type of moments
1: um, yeah and chris if yeah. you do give them that job then model it with them yes, right. sticking yes, them that's out right. there after the yes. event yeah. like what a beautiful chance at the end of an event where everybody goes home then walk with them. Pick up the chairs. Pick sure. up the tables. Instead of telling them to do it, you do it with them. It's just a great way to model that because we do want them to have a servant heart, and we all know right. in the local church we are going to be doing the stinky jobs. That's that's what it takes yeah. Yeah. to be successful. So, and it feels thought. like it's yeah. been a, it feels like
2: it's been a hot minute since I've heard um, Shane, Shane uh, in San Antonio. If I'm not mistaken, you shared about the fact that your pa- that your pastor,
3: yeah, like. Really quick, said, "Oh, by the way, you're preaching next Sunday," kind of thing. Like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. In that same vein, I love It's perfect timing. In that, provide opportunities. One thing I want to encourage us as leaders to is to like give them significant opportunities. Like, I don't want to belittle any kind of serving. Right, there's nothing beneath us. But I think even sometimes you, you know, maybe young people go, "Hey, I feel God calling me to ministry leadership," and you're like, "Great, we really need somebody stack the chairs for us every Wednesday." Hey, that's great character building. Uh, absolutely. But I'm saying give them some significant opportunities to exercise the giftings that God's given them for ministry leadership. So, yeah, you know, I, I started Bible college, you know, about six months after I became a Christian. So I remember going to Bible college and Bible college students were doing what all the Bible college students do, right? They're debating Calvinism and Arminianism. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I was still calling, you know, Psalms, Palms. You know what I mean? I didn't You're know like, anything. what? Moses
2: part of the Red Sea? What?
3: yeah yeah yeah, yeah we didn't right. know yeah. those guys were hey, still fighting like, have y'all read that book job man that thing is like that's intense <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh but i had some professors there that really poured into me so i always say bible college is where i was discipled by some really ministry professors um so about probably two years into bible college uh i go back home one weekend and i tell my local church pastor, I was like, i think god's calling me to ministry and for me i think it's specifically the preaching teaching ministry and he said this he goes I've seen that in you. I've known that I've just been waiting for God to reveal it to you and you'd be obedient to it. And I go, well, I'm God's called me. I'm in my yes is on the table. I'm in. And he goes, great. You're up in six weeks. Now this was, you know, kind of a small rural church, you know, it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night prayer meeting. Um, and so I preached my first sermon, uh, on a Sunday night, about 30 people there, I think 25 of them were my friends and family. And I stumbled all through Psalm 23. It took me about 13 minutes. And uh, I think I said, amen, 82 times, <laughs> yeah. but not even with the exclamation point it's more with the question mark looking for affirmation. I was like the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. You know, like, <laughs> let me, it was terrible. Like do y'all remember your first sermons? Mine was terrible. Seven was terrible. minutes. Yeah. Just seven terrible. minutes long. But you know what was great, though, is I had a pastor that saw a calling on my life. He let me exercise those gifts. He let me stumble. He let me fail. He let me fall on my face, but he discipled me through it. He gave me those opportunities. He would always point me back to the Lord um, because he would always say, hey, you focus on the depth of your ministry. Let the Lord take care of the width and platform of it. But he would coach me up. And so I think even sometimes in our churches, we feel the pressure For anyone to do anything like that, they have to be really polished, right? Well, the only way to grow in some of those kind of giftings is just reps. You know, yeah, you can read the books, you can watch the videos, but especially like in the teaching ministry, the only way you can get better and more effective at communicating is just by doing it. So we got to provide opportunities um, for these leaders to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's great. I remember one of my first messages, uh, Dr. Johnny Atkins, I was preaching afterwards. I was like, man, how to go. You know, I'm looking for affirmation. He's a man who was really good, Scott. He said, oh, I wasn't sure if you were preaching the Bible or if you were an ESPN analyst because you told all baseball stories. Yeah.
0: That's
3: right. <laughs> like, that's right. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the last one is just training our leaders. I think we got to just equip our leaders to duplicate themselves. You know, in fact, you know, we talked about how we're just kind of shuffling youth pastors around. We use that as an illustration is I think one thing we probably need to do with all of our staff, all of our leaders to go, Hey, one of the things on your job description is to duplicate yourself and almost try Mm. to work yourself out of a job. That way, if the Lord does move that leader to another church or another ministry, then maybe um, there's that next person already there that can step into that role um, and we can always look inside internally first, you know, I mean, uh, Chris, you even have that story at Johnson Ferry, man, you raised up a young guy who's now the youth pastor, you yeah,
2: know, Oh, uh, Logan, man. It's been, uh, it's been a blessing to get to see that happen. And he, he ended up taking the gig. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, and, and what's wild about Logan was, this was a kid that right out of high school came and was an intern for us, you know, but we just saw something in him. Uh, who knew that was going to lead to multiple years of internship, him eventually going off to that school that over in Athens, Georgia. Uh, whatever. Uh, but we still took him back. And so enough, and sure enough, man, he was the middle school guy for a little while. And then when I left, uh, they ended up hiring him as the student pastor, man, and he's doing a great job. So, yeah, that's huge.
1: Yep. That's huge. awesome. Well, Chris, let's talk about resources, man, as we look to land the drone here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, I, I, Def Shame, Shane, we want to make sure we find out here in just a second um, where uh, to hear, you know, from where we can find you and all of that. Uh, but I want to just take a second to say to our to our discipleship friends, hey, thanks for letting me jump on today. That was a lot of fun, Scott, to to get to hang out uh, at the grown up table for a change. That's awesome. Uh, I actually like the kid table. But anyway, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's been awesome to hang out. Uh, love you and appreciate you, Scott. Uh, you too, and brother. And especially the work uh, you and your consultants are doing through the state, man, and just uh, the stuff there. Uh, we do have a resource that I am pretty proud of that we we've been utilizing lately that, that I think might be helpful though. That's the youth ministry podcast for volunteers. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit of a unique podcast in the sense that it is, it is, we keep them 15 minutes or less because we're thinking only of the volunteers. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not targeting leaders, youth pastors. I'm, I'm, ta- I'm targeting that. Sunday school teacher that you have that owns his own business or her own business or as a stay-at-home mom or as a school teacher or whatever that might be. So we keep them 15 minutes or less. And we also uh, are careful to cover topics that are practical, like how to take prayer requests without it taking too long. Like that's actually one of our episodes. It's also known as the how to take prayer requests without praying for your neighbor's cat uh, that, that, you know, so it's those type of topics. Uh, so hopefully that would be helpful. Again, it's uh, be helpful to you. Uh, it's called the youth ministry podcast for volunteers and you can find that on all podcast platforms by searching for youth ministry podcast for volunteers. It's pretty awesome. Uh, super proud of it, but, uh, that's just a quick plug from us. And we've got our Facebook page for, for youth pastors as well. You can search Georgia student ministry network and find that, uh, and we'll be hanging out there, uh, also, but Shane, man, the book is awesome, uh, but mm-hmm. other resources, and I'm not mistaken, the book even has some online resources as well. Love for you to talk yeah. about that and then tell everybody where we can find you, uh, you know, as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so. So exciting, uh, the book launches November 1st, um, be available everywhere books are sold. We partnered with uh, b Publishing. And so uh, I actually got my author copies yesterday, so it's so exciting right here. Oh, look at here! Yeah. 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 Hardback, feels good, looks oh. good, oh. feels good. Hardback. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just uh, calling hardback. out the called right here, disciplining those called to ministry leaders. So that'll be available. Uh, this is available now for pre-order, but available launches November 1st, where books are sold. One thing I'm really excited about is of course, you got the book, and that book is really you know for leaders to get back uh, to calling out the called and, um, and some helps to disciple. Uh, yeah, it's not know. a
2: book to buy to hand to a kid that you think is called a ministry,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, the primary target is for leaders, hmm. uh, to help us to get back to calling out the called and to equip us to disciple. The next generation of future ministry leaders, but it also is written in a way in an understandable way that you can put it in the hands of a person who has just surrendered to a call ministry because it is that now what we felt like hey there's some great resources out there trying to discover if you're called to ministry, but there wasn't a whole lot to go on hey I am called now what, and so this is that now what aspect so I'd say it'd be for both of those. Uh, audiences. And then at Nam, what we did is we partnered with B&H, uh, NAM did, and we created a landing page that's specifically to equip the equippers, uh, which we're so excited about. And that's at callingoutthecalled.com. Well, what you're going to find on there is you're going to find nine videos that are for equipping the equipper. Because what we also found is, you know, maybe even at a camp or a conference, we do a time of calling out the call. Every time I would have a senior pastor or a college pastor or even a youth pastor go, hey, I just had five people surrender to ministry or 10 people surrender ministry. I don't know what to do with them, right? And so this is for you as the equipper to know what to do with them. So there are nine videos over nine different relevant topics in that vein. Um, Each one's about eight minutes long. And then each video has a mentoring guide that goes with it that you can walk with a person who has just surrendered to a call ministry. And what I love about those mentoring guides, each one has content on there, scripture reading, additional resources to read. Uh, questions to consider, even in that meet or in that talk as you're discipling somebody. And then one of my favorite parts is at the end is opportunities to consider, meaning to to use um, these these people who have just surrendered to call ministry, different opportunities and ideas in your church of really how to mobilize them and to start using them immediately. Yeah.
1: That's great. Well, we're so excited. Thanks for being yeah. on with guys. And, and I'll never forget what Alan Jackson told me. Uh, early on in my ministry, and he said, Scott, keep putting yourself in a position to be used, and then look for open doors and don't beat down doors that are closed. And uh, man, I would echo that. And and as we close yeah. this out, friends, let me just, I want to I repeat these five things that Shane mentioned, because this is some of the best discussion that I've ever had on this topic. Number one, pray. Two, extend the invitation, because we have not, because we ask not. Number three, share testimonies because we know the stories are powerful. So talk it up. Number four, provide opportunities, which is what Alan was telling me. Give them opportunities to flesh that out, not just the dirty jobs, but significant moments where they can serve and flesh out what that calling means for them. And then number five, train leaders to look for leaders because leaders need to multiply themselves. And at the end of the day, we're talking about Holy Spirit guided process, not human manipulation. So man, such good stuff. Shane Pruitt. Thanks for joining us today, buddy. Hey, thanks friends. It was a blast, man. Appreciate y'all. Uh, thank you so much. You bet. Chris Trent, Next Gen Ministry. You guys rock the best I've ever seen at it. So thanks for all that you do. And Atlanta Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing. I want to remind our listeners that we're only able to do this, all three of us, because you guys give to the cooperative program. So thanks for being awesome in doing that. And our prayer is that today's Discussion with Shane Pruitt, Chris Trent, and myself will equip and inspire you to make world-impacting disciples.
0: Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple makers.